What is up, everybody? It is JT Sports. I am back to you guys with another episode of the JT Sports Podcast. And I'm here with my NFL Week 6 takeaways and reaction. On top of that, I'm going to be giving you guys my Thursday night football preview and prediction between the Cleveland Browns and the Denver Broncos. We're also going to be discussing the Dallas Cowboys defeating the New England Patriots. Are the Dallas Cowboys legitimate Super Bowl contenders? What's wrong with the Miami Dolphins? They have gotten out to a slow start so far this season with a record of 1-5. and five. Why are Sam Darnold and the Carolina Panthers struggling? If this is your first time tuning in and listening to the JT Sports Podcast, welcome. I appreciate you for listening. Make sure that you follow me on all of my social media platforms. You can follow me on Instagram and Twitter at JT Sports underscore. Once again, you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at JT Sports underscore. And make sure that you are subscribed to my YouTube channel if you haven't already. Now, the Dallas Cowboys on Sunday defeated the New England Patriots 35 to 29. This was a really entertaining game, man. Like, at one point, you thought that New England late in the game was going to be able to get the win. And then you had the Trayvon Diggs interception. And then the play after that, New England came right back at Trayvon Diggs and scored a touchdown like we went to overtime. Then you see Dak Prescott throw the game-winning touchdown pass like... This was one of the more entertaining games of the season. And I don't know about you guys, but for me, this has been one of the most memorable seasons in football history, in my opinion. Not just in the NFL, but in college football also. Like, there have been so many great games this year in college football and in the NFL. Now, when you look at Dallas... Dallas currently is one of the best teams in the NFL. And you have some people who are asking the question, are the Dallas Cowboys legitimate Super Bowl contenders? Now, most of the people who you ask that question to on the street are probably going to say no. And you ask them, okay, if you don't believe that the Dallas Cowboys are not Super Bowl contenders, why is it? They're probably going to tell you, oh, because it's the Cowboys. The Cowboys always fold when it matters the most and things like that. Let me tell you guys something. I think that it is incredibly stupid to judge a team based on what they've done in the past. Okay, like, for example, the Arizona Cardinals. Before the season began... How many of you guys would have thought that Arizona would be 6-0 at this point of the year? I'm pretty sure nobody thought that. I'm pretty sure even Arizona Cardinals fans didn't feel they were going to be this good. So, you can't really build your opinion based on what a team has done in the past. In sports, you never get the same team twice. Just because a team was good last year doesn't mean they're going to be good this year. Just because a team was bad last year doesn't mean that team is going to be good this year. 
So everybody has to stop judging teams based on what they've done in the past, what they've done historically. And I know it's fun to poke fun at Dallas Cowboy fans saying that you guys haven't won the Super Bowl in years. You know, you still have to rewatch your Super Bowls and VHS tapes and things like that. But we have to be realistic. And I've been telling people this dating back to last offseason that the Dallas Cowboys, if they have the right coaching staff this team definitely is one of the most talented teams in the NFL I've been chirping just for over the last two three years the problem is the coaching and the performance from the players isn't always there well this season is here Mike McCarthy after being heavily scrutinized after the loss to Tampa Bay this Dallas Cowboys team has played really well Kellen Moore has called a really gate a really great offense this year with the help of Dak Prescott returning from his injury and Dak Prescott has elevated himself in my opinion to you know a elite quarterback at least based on what I've seen this year and for those you guys who don't want to change your opinion about Dak Prescott being elite and whatnot you gotta look at what Dak Prescott is doing against New England 36 of 51 445 pass yards three touchdowns one interception And I used to be amongst the people who didn't believe that Dak Prescott was an elite quarterback. I thought he was a very good quarterback, but I never thought he was an elite quarterback until now. And the reason for that was because in the past, if Dallas was winning games, it was because of Ezekiel Elliott. Well, when Dak Prescott went down with that season-ending injury last year in 2020, and Ezekiel Elliott had to carry the load, he couldn't really do it. Now Dak Prescott is back. And now Ezekiel Elliott has had a resurrection, basically. He's had a bounce back year. So I definitely feel like now that Derek Prescott, in my opinion, has ascended himself into that lead quarterback conversation. I know there's people who have different criteria for what's a lead quarterback, what's not a lead quarterback, what's a good quarterback. But regardless to say, Dak Prescott has played like a top 10, top 5 quarterback this season. He's been playing really good. And also, he's been really good in big moments for this Dallas Cowboys team. And also, you look at Kellen Moore. Don't be surprised if you start seeing Kellen Moore's name float around for some of these head coaching vacancies that are going to come up later in the year, whether that be, you know, college football or in the NFL. Kellen Moore is definitely going to get some interviews. This has been the best offense in the league this year. Statistically, they're number one in points per game, number one in yards per game. They have one of the top five best third down offenses. They're number winning yards per play they're also one of the best rushing football teams in the league and you gotta remember last year Dallas rushing attack wasn't really all that great so you look at how good this Dallas offense has been under Kellen Moore you have to give him a lot of kudos for that and also the defense the defense still isn't really all that great but it's definitely a step up 
from what it was last year. Last year, this defense couldn't stop anybody. They couldn't stop the run. They couldn't stop the pass. They couldn't get off the field on third down. And Dan Quinn, year one as a defensive coordinator, the former head coach of the Atlanta Falcons, has came to the Big D. And this defense has, you know, improved, especially when it comes to being able to take the ball away. And we have seen the emergence of Trayvon Diggs, who is having an all-pro season there's been a lot of, you know, negativity concerning Trayvon Diggs. Like, there was some stat that went viral on Twitter that said, you know, even though Trayvon Diggs currently leads the lead in interceptions, he also gives up a lot of yards. And I understand that. I understand the criticisms that people have. You know, people, it really depends on what kind of corner you like because Trayvon Diggs is a really aggressive cornerback. He likes to jump on top of routes per se, but you can get aggressive corners if you hit him with double moves. And that ended up biting Dallas in the rear end were biting Trayvon Diggs in the rear end because after he got that interception against Mac Jones, Next drive, they came out, went right at him, and he gave up a touchdown. And it wasn't really his fault, really. You know, the safety was supposed to help over the top. Didn't really do him no justice. But a lot of people are going to blame that on Trayvon Diggs. But really, me personally, I want a cornerback like Trayvon Diggs. I'd rather have a cornerback that gives up a couple of yards, well, a lot of yards, and gets burnt occasionally. But I also want somebody who can give me the football back to my offense. So for Trayvon Diggs, I don't have any problem with his playing style. A lot of people keep calling him overrated, but he's just a super aggressive corner and there's nothing wrong with that. You know, he's going to give up some yards here and there. He may give up a touchdown here and there, but he's getting the football back and he's had an interception in pretty much what? every single game so far this season for the Dallas Cowboys and that's really impressive so I don't really care about all the stats that people can bring up when it comes to Trayvon Diggs to me Trayvon Diggs has been the best cornerback in the NFL this season there's more to being a great cornerback than just being a shutdown corner you also want a corner who can give you the football back to your offense and that's what Trayvon Diggs does so I'd rather have a super aggressive corner that may get beat from time to time, may give us some big plays, but also gives me the ball back and forces turnovers. That's what Trayvon Diggs is. This guy is aggressive and he's really good when it comes to anticipating and jumping on routes. You guys got to remember that Trayvon Diggs was a former wide receiver when he came to Alabama and ended up converting him into corner. And he still had a little bit ways to go. You know, he got by with a lot of things because of his pair of athleticism. This year, well, last year, his rookie season was probably the best rookie season that any rookie cornerback had last year. If they had a redraft of the following draft class that Trayvon Dix was drafting, he probably would be the first cornerback taken off the board. And this year, he's improved tremendously because now he's playing like an all-pro corner. So I don't have no problem with his playing style. I don't care if he's super aggressive, if he is liable to get beat on double moves from time to time. I still think that he's phenomenal. He's a big part of why this Dallas defense has played the way it has so far you know it hasn't played great but this is definitely a defense that is better this season compared to where it was last year and when it comes to Dallas Cowboys being in Super Bowl conversation like you definitely have to say that and I'm comfortable with saying that 
And I said that before the season that if Dallas and Mike McCarthy can figure things out and they can, you know, play up to the level of talent that they have on their roster, this is a team that can definitely not only win this division, but make a deep run in the playoffs. So if you ask me, it's no surprise that the Dallas Cowboys are being mentioned in the Super Bowl conversation because this is one of the most talented rosters in the league from top to bottom. You know, even though they have some questions about their second cornerback spot, outside of that, this is still a really good team with a lot of talent. And I think that the Dallas Cowboys most definitely are legitimate Super Bowl contenders. You guys got to stop living by what happened 20 years ago, what the Dallas Cowboys have done the past decade, and you got to live for now. You got to live in the present. We got to stop going back to the past. We got to stop living our lives in the past because the past at the end of the day doesn't have anything to do with what's happening on the field right now. The Dallas Cowboys, with all of their disappointing late season Season collapses or their disappointing seasons isn't affecting their performance on the field and we have to give credit where credit is due even though it is a lot of fun to poke fun at the Dallas Cowboys this team has been really good this season and I definitely consider this team to be in that Super Bowl conversation and I even tried to tell people earlier before the season even kicked off that yeah like don't Dallas you can't sleep on Dallas Dallas is one of the most talented teams in the NFL and a lot of people are like oh JT you're tripping it's the Cowboys They're having a lot of success this season. The Jacksonville Jaguars defeated the Miami Dolphins in London 23-20. This was a early morning kickoff. This game kicked off somewhere around 9. I had woke up a little bit late, so I missed like the first three minutes of the first quarter. But when you look at the Miami Dolphins, man, like this definitely isn't the way that a lot of Dolphins fans envisioned the season going. And there were a lot of people before this season started who were telling me that Miami not only was going to make it to the playoffs this year, but that they were going to win the division. So they lose to Jacksonville. Jacksonville gets their first win of the year. And Miami falls to 1-5 on the year. Now, Brian Flores has to get a lot of criticism for this because there are people who before the year started who were saying that Brian Flores was a top 10, top 15 coach. And I was saying, no, like I still need to see this team make it to the playoffs. And everybody was talking about how great a coach he is, being able to win with less talent. And everybody was saying that now this was the Dolphins team that was going to do a lot of damage. And I was telling people, I don't really know, man. Don't really see it. And... You look at Brian Flores, and Dolphins fans are going to say, well, JT, Tua's been injured, the defense has had some injuries, and I understand that. But my thing is, why were people praising Brian Flores before? Well, because he was able to maximize and get the most out of the players who he had on his roster, right? So even if Miami does have a couple of significant injuries to key players, if Brian Flores is just is this good as a coach as a lot of Dolphins fans were making him out to be before the season started, then I feel like he should still have more than one win. You get what I'm saying? Like he should at least have at least two wins or three wins right now if he's so good of a coach like everybody said that he was. And so far, you know, hasn't really looked like that. 
time management has also been an issue. Like, there has been a lot of questionable decisions when it comes to this coaching staff. You look at the general manager for Miami, I mean, he hasn't really done a great job drafting. Like, I can't remember the last time the current GM for Miami has hit on a draft pick. You know, like Tua, I still think Tua has a lot of potential. I still think that Tua is a solid quarterback. And I also think that Tua has definitely improved a lot this season compared to what he was last year. And we're definitely going to see more of that as we progress throughout the season. I feel like he had a really good game against Jacksonville. I know he had a couple of underwhelming performances. But overall, I think Tua definitely, I wouldn't put all the blame on Tua. But I definitely feel like Brian Flores has dramatically disappointed this season in terms of the job that he's done coaching this Miami team because this Miami team was supposed to be really good this year. And I was telling people, I had questions about the linebackers. I've had questions about the offensive line and everybody was trying to tell me, man, JT, the offensive line is going to be improved this year. Offensive line doesn't really look all that great. They can't run the football. That's another issue that Miami has. They have the worst rushing attack in the NFL right now. They're only averaging 71.5 rushing yards per game, which is dead last right now. It's not good. I'm kind of disappointed because I thought that this was going to be a breakout season for Miles Gaskins. Has really gotten the carries, hasn't really gotten the touches. I don't know what it is. Maybe the offensive line just isn't good when it comes to run blocking and open up running lanes for these running backs but if Miami is going to turn their season around they have to do it fast and they have to do it quickly and when you look at Brian Flores now you want to know what's funny it's funny how so many people are now quick to switch on Brian Flores because before the season everybody was saying oh yeah he's a top 10 coach now I see Dolphins fans saying that they want a new head coach they feel like Brian Flores should be fired and you know what Brian Flores reminds me a lot of he reminds me a lot of Romeo Cornell. You guys remember Ro- Romeo Cornell, who used to be the former head coach for the Kansas City Chiefs. I believe he was the interim head coach for the Houston Texans last season. He also was the head coach of the Cleveland Browns like back in the late 2000s. I believe there was one season that Romeo Cornell had with the Cleveland Browns, that in his third year of Cleveland, he won 10 games, right? And everybody was really high on Romeo Cornell. The couple of seasons prior, everybody was like, you know, Romeo Cornell is going to be a really good coach because he's winning games with a Cleveland roster that really should only be winning zero or one games or maybe two games. So a lot of people were really high on him. He had that big 10-win season. And then after that, He crashed and burned right back down to out of Cleveland, going to Kansas City, and his stand in Kansas City didn't really last long. So when I look at Brian Flores, I see a lot of similarities to Romeo Cornell. There were a lot of people praising Brian Flores for what he did his first season in Miami with a team that supposedly wasn't supposed to win a game, and he was able to salvage and make the most out of it with a not-so-talented roster. This was a well-coached team. They didn't really get, you know, dismantled by a lot of football teams. They were competitive. They had a big upset late in the year against New England. This team fought. Last year, this team came really close to making it into 
to the playoffs and this year this team has really not delivered and you can say well Tua hasn't played but Jacoby Brissett is probably one of the better backup quarterbacks in the league there are a couple of games that Miami could have won with Jacoby Brissett at quarterback in my opinion therefore if there were better adjustments made if they were able to get the run game going that could also help them out and if the pass blocking improved if the whole entire offensive line as a unit improved and I understand you have some injuries to some of your best players on defense but at the end of the day great coaches are able to win without some of their best players that's what you have to be able to do in this league you can't say somebody's a great coach if you don't know how to strategize because football is more than just a physical game when you're trying to knock somebody's head off their shoulders this is a game that's all about strategy also it's about putting your players in the right position to succeed it's kind of like chess per se and right now Brian Flores right now he's getting his pawns taken out of the game because Miami is not delivering and I kind of wonder if Miami continues to struggle and they don't turn this thing around is there a possibility that we could see Miami just go ahead throwing a towel for the rest of the season try to get the number one overall pick and then maybe they draft another quarterback I don't know if they want to put it all on to a lot of people are saying let's just trade for Deshaun Watson Deshaun Watson isn't going to save Miami season okay because we don't even know if he's going to be able to play this year we don't even know if he's going to be able to play ever so for Miami you have bigger problems outside of Deshaun Watson that you should be worried about right now like maybe you should try to trade for another offensive lineman a really high caliber offensive lineman because everybody thinks that just because you have a great quarterback that you're going to win games you can have a great quarterback and still lose a lot of football games if you don't have the great coaching and so far this season the coaching from Brian Flores and his staff has been less than luckluster. And that's just me being nice because there's a three-letter word that I want to use to describe how the coaching has been for Miami. But I'm going to keep it PG. But yeah, man, what's wrong with the Miami Dolphins? Coaching isn't really great. Brian Flores, a lot of people were higher on him than what they should be. You know, I didn't view Brian Flores as a top 10, top 15 coach. There were people before the season who were trying to sell me on it. I said, I got to see it, man. Haven't really seen it. And now Miami Dolphins fans are now starting to get annoyed because this is the year that Miami was supposed to put everything together. And I understand that Tua got injured. But at the end of the day, some of the best coaches in the NFL are able to win games with their backup quarterbacks. Mike Tomlin, for God's sake, went 8-8 and eight with freaking Mason Rudolph and Devlin Doug Hodges. No excuses. You get what I'm saying? So for Miami... Coaching has been there. The offensive line isn't great. They can't run the football. And Brian Flores isn't as good as a coach as what a lot of Dolphins fans thought they were, thought he was before the season kicked off. We got to talk about another team that's struggling. The Carolina Panthers were defeated by the Minnesota Vikings in overtime, 34 to 28. That loss marked their third straight loss. And everybody's trying to figure out, Panthers fans trying to figure out what's going on. Why are they on a three-game losing streak? A team that started out the season 3-0. and And it's definitely not because the defense. It's because the offense doesn't really have an identity. And Matt Rule pretty much said this in one of his pressers. He pretty much said that, you know, we got to find our identity on offense. But 
One of the biggest reasons for why the Carolina Panthers have been on a three-game losing streak is because Sam Darnold has not played well during this three-game losing streak for Carolina. When Carolina started the season off 3-0, Sam Darnold threw for 888 yards, three touchdowns, one interception, was completing 68.2% of his passes. During this three-game losing streak, Sam Darnold has completed 55% of his passes. He's thrown four touchdowns to six interceptions and has thrown for 600. 85 passing yards during this losing streak. So Sam Donald hasn't really done a good job of taking care of the football. And there was a graphic that came up when I was watching the first half of this game earlier this morning because I only watched the second half. But I watched the first half of this game, tried to see what I missed. Sam Donald. His career record when he only has one turnover or less, he's 16 and 13. When he has two or more turnovers, he's 0 and 14. So he's not taking care of the football. And on top of that, I feel like Sam Darnold has a good amount of potential. But sometimes he gets really reckless with the football. He tries to do too much. He tries to be Superman. And it ends up costing him a lot. Like, one example, the first interception that he threw in this game, it was a pass that never should have been thrown. He was trying to make something happen instead of throwing the ball away, and it cost him an interception. And when you're Carolina, you can't turn the football over, have Sam Darnold turning the football over this much, and then ask your defense to go back on the field and get stops. Like, Carolina isn't going through a three-game losing streak because their defense has not played great. Their defense has played phenomenal so far this season. As a matter of fact, I would go as far to say that the Panthers have had a top five, top three defense this year, which caused them to miss the turnovers in the offense. And I'm not just going to put it all on Sam Darnold. Joe Brady also has to do a better job calling plays. You know, his play calling has kind of been questionable. He has some great moments during games where you're like, oh, man, man, that was an incredible play call. Then you have some moments he's like, man, why we do that? But also, Robbie Anderson. What's happened to Robbie Anderson? If I recall, didn't Robbie Anderson get like an extension not too long ago? Where has he been? Last week, again, well, this past Sunday against Minnesota, he had a lot of drops. He also dropped a key third down conversion, I believe. So where's Robbie Anderson? He's a deep threat. You have to get him involved some way, somehow. Try to get a jet sweep. Try to get a bubble screen going. Like, Robbie Anderson Anderson isn't a wide receiver that you're going to say, hey, man, I need you to run all these different kind of routes. Robbie Anderson is a wide receiver who you, one, you either get the ball to him in space, try to get him involved using a bubble screen, or two, you try to run a fly or post route or try to throw the football to him downfield and let him kill these defensive backs in these corners or that are matched up and guarding him with his speed. I feel like the Carolina Panthers offense right now they're doing a lot of things wrong. I really feel like they're not maximizing the most out of their personnel. I also would like to see them give Chuba Hubbard more touches. I feel like Chuba Hubbard has a similar skill set to Chris McCaffrey, okay? I feel like Chuba Hubbard is a little bit underrated when it comes to his pass catching. I really feel like Chuba Hubbard should be the focal point of the Panthers offense, he needs to have at least 25 to 30 touches right now. That's what he should be averaging. I know that may be hard to ask a rookie to do that, but I mean, Najee Harris is doing it. And Chuba Hubbard, I think he can do the similar things that Chris McCaffrey can do. Now, he can't do it at 
as high as a level that Christian McCaffrey can't do those things. But Truba Hubbard is really good. And I definitely feel like Joe Brady and Matt Rule need to make him the focal point of the offense because I don't really think asking Sam Donald to throw the football 40 times is a winning recipe. As a matter of fact, if you're Carolina, Matt Rule, and Joe Brady... I think they should kind of do what Sean Payton has done with Jameis Winston. When you look at what Jameis Winston has done with New Orleans, he hasn't really had many games when he's been asked to throw the football that much. As a matter of fact, the most that he's thrown the football probably was like 30 times or 24 times. So Jameis Winston, most of the time, is only throwing the football, what, 20, 21 times a game? So if you're a Carolina, I don't think that Sam Darnold needs to be throwing the football more than 30 times a game. I think the max that's Sam Donald should be dropping back and passing the football should at least be 24, 25 pass attempts at max, okay? Because Chuba Hubbard is more than capable of being able to get the job done on the ground. Also try to get him out wide, you know, try to get him a little bit more involved in the passing game. I just feel like Carolina has really underutilized Chuba Hubbard and I feel like they're kind of overlooking him a little bit. I feel like they don't really trust him like how they should. So, Give Chuba Hubbard some more touches with the football, man. I'm a big Chuba Hubbard fan. I was really big on him coming out of Oklahoma State. You got to use this, man. He's been really effective. Now, with the Joe Brady scenario, there's been some rumors that maybe he could go back to LSU and whatnot. I don't think he's going back to LSU. I think he's going to try to stay in the NFL and get an NFL head coaching job. But right now, none of that really matters because the play calling hasn't really been all that great now for this defense this defense has pretty much been carrying this team on their back they've been first in turnovers you also have Brian Burns who's been outstanding this year you also have Hassan Reddick who's been outstanding this year like you also had the recent acquisitions of corners Stephon Gilmore and CJ Henderson so this is a really talented defense and I'm kind of surprised that this offense still you know out of nowhere has just kind of hit the brakes and now they're trying to repair their car on the side of the road like we're at a point in the season that you kind of have to have some urgency like this is not the point of the season where you want to start struggling and Every Panthers fan before the season started was getting at me talking about some JT. How do you feel about the Carolina Panthers? And I was telling people, like, dude, it's only week three, week four. Everybody was coming out saying the Panthers are Super Bowl contenders. You had people asking, are the Panthers Super Bowl contenders? And I was sitting here telling people, like, no, like, just give everything some time. That's why you never see me come out with you know, presumed to be hot takes or any strong takes about how I feel about how good a team's chances are at winning the Super Bowl until around this time of the season, around middle October, late, early November is where we start to see the pretenders separate themselves from the contenders, okay? So when you look at Carolina, they looked really good the first three games. But at the same time, it, let's not act like the Panthers didn't play the Jets. They played the Saints without, what, seven of their coaches not being there on staff. And then on top of that, you play the Houston Texans. And the Houston Texans have pretty much been, what, one of the worst teams in the NFL this year. Now the schedule has started to pick up. I was really surprised that they lost to the Philadelphia Eagles. As a matter of fact, the Philadelphia Eagles, 
Eagles came back on Carolina, a game that Carolina definitely should have won. And you look at this Vikings game, they should have won that game. They could have won the Dallas game. Like when you look at these losses that Carolina are suffering and like really these are games that are being tightly contested come down to one possession one or two plays and Carolina could easily still be undefeated but they're not and I told people this offensive line still is an issue this offensive line is not good I think I saw a report come out the other day saying that the Carolina Panthers would not hesitate to trade for some more offensive linemen and get some more offensive line help. Like, I think that's really important also because when you go back and you look at this Minnesota game, like, let's not act like Sam Donald was throwing out of clean pockets for the whole entire game. Like, Sam Donald was having a couple of plays when he had to improvise and he didn't really have a lot of time. Like, Minnesota was getting after Sam Donald, okay? Now, for Sam Donald, I I mean, I feel like it would be unfair for me to just talk about all the bad and not the good because he had a really nice dart. It was like a, oh, what was it? He threw a nice pass late in the game to keep the drive alive to the tight end. It was an absolute dart on the money, a really great throw. So when you see Sam Darnold, you see a lot of negatives, but you also see a lot of good. And that's just the Sam Darnold experience. But I definitely feel like Sam Darnold can turn it around. But I definitely don't really like the fact that Carolina is trying to find their identity on offense at this point of the year year I kind of feel like if you were going to struggle you should struggle when the season first starts I don't really understand why this team starts out hot and then all of a sudden they go on a three-game losing streak and now they don't know who they are on the offensive side of football so they have to get that taken care of but I definitely feel like the key to that is getting Chuba Hubbard more involved and even though the offensive line is great like still if you give Chuba Hubbard the ball like he's going to make the most out of it like Chuba Hubbard so far this year, like, I think he, what, last game, let me check, 3.8 yards per attempt, so, I mean, yeah, they're trying to get him involved and stuff like that, you could say, well, JT, I mean, like, the run blocking isn't great, but if you're going to tell me that, okay, what's the excuse for not trying to get him involved in the passing game, why can't you line him out, let him run a couple of bubble screens here and there, like, I feel like Chuba Hubbard can be really effective if you line him out wide as well, but, I mean, I really feel like Carolina is now starting to lose a little bit of steam. It was one of them teams that, you know, a lot of people were quick to jump on. They were overreacting. And now they're starting to crash back down just like the Denver Broncos are. So you guys let me know how you guys feel down in the comment section about the Carolina Panthers struggles. What are the reasons that you guys have for why this Carolina Panthers team is struggling? Do you think that Carolina should make a change at quarterback. Should the Carolina Panthers start P.J. Walker? You guys let me know down in the comment section down below. Now, the last thing that we have on this episode of the JT Sports Podcast, I'm going to be I'm going to be giving you guys my preview and prediction for Thursday Night Football. We have the Cleveland Browns going on the road to take on the Devil Broncos. The Devil Broncos currently enter this game as a three and a half point underdog. Both of these teams are three and three. When you look at the Devil Broncos, they have been on a three-game losing streak. And this was another team that a lot of people were quick to jump on. I was like, 
Okay, Denver hasn't really played anybody that's good. Like, Denver's first couple of games to open the season against, they were against the New York Giants, the Jacksonville Jaguars, and the New York Jets, and none of those teams are even good. I think the Giants only have, what, one win. The Jaguars only have one win. The Jets only have one win. So you take advantage of teams who weren't really all that great. Well, you played against the Baltimore Ravens. You lost that game by multiple touchdowns. You played against the Pittsburgh Steelers. Although you fought it in, you still lost that game by a pretty big margin or a pretty significant margin you lost to the Raiders by 10 points so when you look at the Denver Broncos man like I just don't really think that Denver Broncos are a great team in my opinion but you're looking at a Cleveland Browns team that's coming into mile high going into Denver we already know with Denver they have a huge home field advantage because of how the different altitude is and you know how you kind of have to change your way of breathing and things like that and you're looking at a Browns team right now that's kind of on the ropes not in terms of their play even though they are coming off a pretty bad loss to Arizona even though Arizona is one of the best teams in the league but you look at the Browns team that's rolling right now because they're going through a lot of injuries um their starting tackles didn't play last week against Arizona Baker Mayfield is roughed up he had like something happened to his shoulder I'm surprised he was even able to come back and then Baker Mayfield also says that he expects to play in this game so Baker Mayfield man is one of the toughest quarterbacks I have seen in a while because I know a lot of quarterbacks if they take a hit to the shoulder like that they're probably done for a good amount of weeks but Baker Mayfield says that he expects to play. Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunter not going to be playing this game. So we don't know the status of Odell Beckham. He's questionable to play in this game. So you look at the Denver Broncos, like you're going against a Cleveland Browns team right now that has a lot of injuries. So if you're a Denver, I think that this is a game that you definitely have to win because you don't want to be behind in the division race with Kansas City looking like they're starting to heat up. Las Vegas looks like they're still trying to pick up from where they left off even though they had the situation with John Gruden and things like that. Their season isn't over. They're still playing some really good football. You look at the LA Chargers who so far even though they lost to the Baltimore Ravens they have been one of the best teams in the AFC this year. So if you're the Broncos you don't want to lose this game and drop the three and four in a year because then you're kind of not only on a four game losing streak at that point but then on top of that you're probably going to fall the last place in the division then you look at the Cleveland Browns you're in a similar situation because if you lose this game you could be in danger of falling in last place in the AFC North now when you look at the running back situation for Cleveland not going to have Nick Chubb. You're not going to have Kareem Hunt. So you're probably asking, J2, who's going to be toting the rock for Cleveland? Well, Dearness Johnson is probably going to get the majority of reps. And Dearness Johnson is a pretty solid running back. As a matter of fact, he probably could be the second running back on a lot of teams rosters right now probably RB1 in a couple of cases for a couple of teams like when you look at Dearness Johnson he is the hole really hard he doesn't go down really easy he bounces off contact he kind of has like a Dalvin Cook um 
Cam Akers kind of running style to him. I really like how he plays. Then you got Demetric Felton, who's kind of like a hybrid wide receiver, running back, kind of a little bit like Cordell Patterson. So we're probably we may see a little bit of him, but I expect to see Dearness Johnson get a lot of work in this game, especially when you look at you know Baker Mayfield coming into this game banked up. They're probably not going to want to have to ask him to do too much. So they're probably going to rely heavily on Dearness. Johnson in this game and Demetric Felton is probably going to come in and passing situations like that Cordell Patterson hybrid kind of now the Cleveland Browns two starting offensive tackles Dredrick Willis and Jack Conklin they're currently listed as questionable for this game and if you're a Browns fan you're crossing your fingers and you're hoping that these two guys are able to play in this game because last week for Cleveland the offensive line performance was not pretty. They allowed five sacks against the Arizona Cardinals last week. And when you look at this Denver Broncos defensive line, like they're definitely more than capable of being able to cause a lot of havoc, especially when you have to worry about guys like Von Miller. So hopefully you can get back Wills and Conklin for this game. If you do, that's going to be a big boost. But if not, then that definitely is going to be an area of concern if you're a Browns fan. Now, when you look at Denver, their offensive line had a lackluster performance. They gave up five sacks to the Las Vegas Raiders this past Sunday. So they're also somebody who needs the bounce back when it comes to their offensive line and whatnot. But on top of that, Teddy Bridgewater turned the football over uh uncharacteristic amount of times. Like, he had three interceptions. And, you know, that's something that you don't really see out of Teddy Bridgewater all that much. So when I look at Teddy Bridgewater, when you look at the Broncos fan base right now, they're basically saying, okay, like, is Teddy the guy? Do we need to put Drew Locke in there? And Teddy Bridgewater, I've been saying this, is not the quarterback that's going to win you games. He's not a quarterback that you can ask him to bring you back from behind and win games and things like that. Teddy Bridgewater is a quarterback who needs to have everything going right. He's a good game manager. That's what you ask him to do. But when you're asking him to step outside of that realm and asking him to carry a team or will a team back, he's not really capable of doing that. He comes up short more times than not. And on top of that, the Denver Broncos Broncos red zone offense hasn't really been great. They have one of the worst red zone offenses in the NFL. They only score touchdowns in the red zone 45% of the time, which is 28th, the worst in the league. They also have one of the worst third down offenses in the league. They only convert on third down 29.87% of the time, which is the worst in the NFL. And the reason for that is because Teddy Bridge, where he does really take a lot of chances, there are times where Denver will be in a third long situation, and instead of throwing the ball past the six, Teddy Bridge would just take the open six-man, six-yard wide receiver and maybe hope and pray to God that he can pick up the first down and try to make some things shake after the catch. So Teddy Bridgewater, you know, Denver Broncos fans are now starting to see what Teddy Bridgewater is. And maybe you do want to put in Drew Locke because even though Drew Locke does have turnover concerns, he is going to push the ball down the field and he is going to take a lot of shots. So I don't know, but there are a lot of Denver Broncos fans who were chirping at me really early on this year when you started out 3-0 saying, uh, how about Teddy Bridgewater? I thought he was a game manager. Doesn't look like one. He's playing great. Well... I wonder how you Denver Bronco fans feel about Teddy Bridgewater right now.
You know, and then you look at the run game. You look at Melvin Gordon currently battling injuries and things like that. Like the running back situation for Denver is a really good situation. Even if Melvin Gordon doesn't perform or doesn't play in this game, like you still have, you know, another talented running back and rookie Javante Williams out of UNC. I would like to see him get a little bit more touches. I kind of would like to see him kind of dethrone Melvin Gordon because I kind of feel like he's a better back at the moment than Melvin Gordon. That's just my opinion. But I really like Javante Williams a lot. He's been really good this year. He's averaging over four yards per attempt. Like, I would like to see Javante Williams get a lot more touches. And this is coming from a Pittsburgh Steelers fan. Even though he got eight carries when the Broncos played against Pittsburgh, he was averaging over seven yards per rush. So he was doing a lot of damage to that Pittsburgh defense. So I think Javante Williams should be a little bit more involved in the offense. I actually like to see him take over as the lead back in this Denver Broncos offense especially when you have Melvin Gordon not really at 100%. So I look at this game, I really feel like this game is going to come down to which team is able to have more success in the red zone. Because when you look at Cleveland, obviously you have the injury to Baker Mayfield, so he's not going to be 100%. So they're probably going to run the ball a lot in this game. And when you look at Denver, okay, like they have kind of struggled in the red zone this season. So you're going to have to be much better in the red zone. And the difference in this game is going to be the team that comes away with touchdowns inside of the red zone versus the team that comes away with field goals, especially when you're the Devil Broncos. So I'm going to take the Browns to win this game. The reason why is because I still feel like the Browns are just a better team than Denver. I feel like their defense is going to be able to slow down that Denver Broncos offense because the Denver Broncos over the last couple of weeks, man, like their offense has not really been all that great ever since, you know, they played Baltimore and Baltimore proved them to be, you know, not as great as what a lot of people were hoping they would be. So I'm going to take the Cleveland Browns to get the victory 28 to 17 is going to be my final score prediction in this game. You guys let me know who you guys have winning this game down in the comment section down below. And this is it for this episode of the JT Sports Podcast. I will see you guys with another episode shortly. If you enjoyed, make sure that you go ahead and leave a five-star review. Make sure that you share the podcast on your social media platforms with your friends, family, and acquaintances. And I will see you guys later.